It's Agree to Disagree with Noah Schwartz, Jack Asello, and Aiden Chard on VIC Radio Ithaca. Good morning, guys. How's it going? What's going on, everyone? What's up? What's up? So uh, it's it's us. I'm Aiden, Jack, and Noah. Uh, we got a awesome show for you this week. It has been a great week for sports. It's been so busy. So many things have happened. So we got a lot to talk about. So let's jump right into it. Uh, Jack and Noah, you guys wanted to talk about this one. Uh, of course, one of the biggest pieces of news, Sam Darnold, your beloved quarterback. What will you ever do without him now that he's been traded to the Carolina Panthers? Well, let's not use the term beloved, first of all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. he is now in Carolina, and it was not necessarily the trade that I would have made. I didn't think they got a whole lot for Sam. Jack disagrees with me, and he'll get more into that in a second. Yeah. But the second-round pick they got for next season and the sixth-round pick they got for next season, in addition to this year's fourth-round pick, it's a decent haul. It's It's fine, I guess. But at the end of the day... This trade is all about the fact that the Jets failed Sam Darnold. It's not about anything that the Jets are going to actually get back in this trade in terms of draft picks. Hopefully they hit, they hit on them. But this is more about the fact that they used a third overall pick on, on a guy a couple years ago, three years ago. And it was a total bust from the first game. They won that first game against Detroit. And it looked like maybe things were on the up and up. And they never fully supported Darnold. They never gave him the pieces he needed, whether it was on the offensive line, receivers, running backs, tight ends, whatever it was. The coaching staff was abysmal, obviously. And because of that, the Jets are now using another top three pick. This time it's going to be the second pick on a quarterback. It'll be Zach Wilson this year, most likely from BYU. But they just totally failed Sam Darnold, and there's no excuse for it. And now they'll have to see if the next quarterback can finally change the tune of this franchise. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what Noah said. I'm, I disagree with him impartially. I thought the, what they got out of the deal was pretty good. We got a second-round pick out of that. A lot of people were saying he was worth maybe a mid-round third pick, and we were able to get a second or second out of that. And it's not a guarantee that the Panthers are going to be good either way. So that pick, to me, does have value. It sucks that he had to be traded. It just should, Like Noah said, it shows like how the organization failed him with bad coaching hires than Adam Gase. I said this before. When going into Sam Darnold's second year, the Jets, like Josh, Sam Darnold and Josh Allen, were in very similar spots. It was just about building around them the right way. Yeah. The Bills did build the Bills built around Josh Allen correctly. The Jets didn't. They didn't give him. They didn't give him good weapons. They didn't give him protection, and the coaching was just awful. And I've said this before to Noah. I'm not sure if you you're going to agree with me, Aiden. I say this: if you put Sam Darnold on the Bills today, I'm, I'm not sure he's better than Josh Allen, but I think they're in a very similar spot. I, I don't. Think, I, I. I. don't know because here's what I'll say: from the first season, the season where neither of them were in good situations, Josh Allen looked better. Um, not really. To me, yeah, I don't disagree me. with that because I think Josh Allen showed a lot more. Um, I, I just think he showed a lot more promise. He, the only problem he had was overthrowing people, really, and that was mostly because he just didn't know how strong he really was. So well, he does have an extremely strong arm. He does have a very strong arm, and he he didn't really he wasn't really able to judge it. So I don't know if I would say that they'd be in the same situation, but it definitely would be a better situation for Sam Darnold if he were on the Bills. It it is just a problem of yeah, the Jets the Jets cared about him for one season. They didn't see exactly what they wanted to see, and then they didn't try to build around it. Um, you know, they didn't try to make it better. So that definitely, that definitely hurt. 
and um, I'm I'm definitely interested to see how he does with uh, with Carolina. And it's not even that they didn't necessarily try. I mean, in some situations, maybe it wasn't perfect um, in terms of the actual moves they made because they didn't get yeah. enough pieces. But I think it was actually more that the pieces they did acquire just totally didn't work out. I mean, Le'Veon Bell is the best example. Jameson Crowder has been really the only guy that comes right to the top of my head right now that you can definitively say, all right, that move was great. And I guess the Mekhi Becton draft pick last year in the first round. But other than that, it was too little too late. You know, if if they had maybe done that, if if they'd gotten him two years ago, and I know they couldn't have because he couldn't have been drafted, but if they'd gotten a player like that two years ago, this might be a different Jets team. You know, Darnold might still be on the yeah. team. Sure. But, but also, another part of it is, that we I feel like we don't talk about this enough, he basically got screwed going into his second season when the Jets fired Mike McCagnan after he had a whole offseason in draft, and then they just changed course when they drafted a new general manager. So that's really what set him back. And especially yeah. then, he had a coach, and he had a, and he had a general manager. They really didn't draft him. He wasn't their guy. So even though he was a young quarterback and he should have been, I thought it was a little disrespectful they didn't build around him the right way. I will say this, though. I am happy for him. He's in a good situation now, I think, in Carolina with a good, a good coach. With a good coach, he's got two good weapons, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, obviously. But yeah. here's the thing with me. I've, me and my dad have talked about this. I'm not sure Sam Darnold is going to be a great quarterback, but with a, on a good team with good weapons— he certainly can be a very, very good quarterback. It's, I'm going to compare the situation kind of to what the 49ers were in, like 2011-2012. They were a very good team. Alex Smith wasn't a great quarterback, but he was good. He knew where to put the ball, and I think Darnold yeah. could be something like that. And if if, if Sam game, Darnold game manager, if yeah. Sam Darnold does turn his career around and becomes Alex Smith, that means he had a very good career. Yeah, absolutely. Let's just be honest about I, that. Oh, 100%. So. Alex, Alex Smith is a great quarterback. Um, Alex Smith gets disrespected just because he was drafted before Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, honestly. Um, and, yeah, I I do want to say, like, I think I think the Jets could have gotten more out of this trade. But in the end, like, what are you going to do? You're going to take a quarterback in this next draft. Everybody knows it. So, you know, get the market you, automatically get, falls. Get what you can. Exactly. Everybody knows you're trying to sell him. To get what you can. I just thought it was disappointing, though, because if you look at what they got for Carson Wentz in Philadelphia, they got a first-round pick from Indy. Yeah. If you think about the Matt Stafford trade, that was two first-round picks. I just thought that after the Matt Stafford move, the quarterback market on the trade market was actually kind of exploding. But that's, it's, but that's different. Well, it's, sure, it's different, but I just thought that a lot of these guys would be worth at least a first-rounder. And that's what I thought the Jets had a real, cha- real chance th- to get. I think it could have been a single—just a first-rounder. Right, that's yeah, what I mean. Yeah. Like, I think just a first-rounder for Darnold I think would have been a very good trade. So they're going to have 21 but, you know, draft picks over the next two yeah. drafts, and most of them come in the top four yeah. rounds. And they have 10 draft picks this season. So they have a yeah. ton of that's a lot. space Wait, there 10? to add Jeez. young pieces. Yeah. And, and they have to hit on these draft picks. Jack and I have talked about this a million times. Joe Douglas pretty much got— his first two seasons were, like, free. Like, it really didn't matter. Nobody was really counting counting on him to do much. Now it's year three. It's his second full off season, second draft. He has to nail this draft and as well as next year's draft and also really show that the guys he got on the free agent market, whether it was Lawson or Corey Davis, whoever, those guys have to hit too because if you don't put, around, put the team uh, around Zach Wilson now, it's like you're never going to do it. It's been so many GMs, so many coaches, and they've never gotten it right. So at some point, you're going to have to get it right. Yeah. And let, here's to hoping that this is the time that they actually nail it and get a team that's caliber, a playoff caliber team. It's definitely going to be difficult for them. Uh, yeah. 
Zach Wilson, I do think, is, is going to be a good starting piece. It's a good place to start. But, you know, just Zach Wilson is not going to do it. Yeah. If, if you just take Zach Wilson and ignore those other ten, uh, nine picks, you're going to be in the same exact situation as you were when Darnold was there. I wouldn't be surprised if we are. Nothing True. would shock me more. But Joe Douglas has to hit on these next two drafts. I'm going to say two drafts because I know he made the Jamal Adams trade. He's going to get to at least draft both those picks as well. Yeah. Even if you have a even if he has a bad year this year, they give him a six year contract, so that means you're at least to me that means you're at least getting four years. So he's gonna get this year and he's gonna get next year. Definitely. And I haven't hated the offseason so far. We have a defensive coach in Robert Sala. We were building our defense up. We got it. We acquired Carl Lawson. He's very good at pressuring the quarterback. Sheldon Rankins, I'm sure you're very familiar I'm with him. I'm very when mad he- that you guys got when him. He's healthy, when he's healthy, he's great. When he's healthy, I would I would say he's in the top ten defensive tackles. I 100%, Probably. 100% agree but with you. He, his problem is he's not Yeah, if he can just healthy. stay healthy, he's yeah. phenomenal. They uh, they made a good veteran signing in LaMarcus Joyner. They're building up this defense. I think this def- CJ Mosley's coming back. This defense could be pretty good. I think y- y- it's, it's, it's really interesting. They were trying to build offense a couple years ago, and I think they've, just, they've seen what the, uh, what the other teams in the AFC East have done. I mean, the Patriots, the Patriots and the Dolphins last year really were just about defense, and they both were not that far out of the playoffs, basically with an okay offense and a great defense. Uh, and the Bills, last, great season, everywhere. last season didn't have the best defense, but you talented. Know, the past couple seasons, their defense had been really what was keeping them afloat. And But also, their D is just talented. They have their guys D is go, talented. go and make a play. And so I'm, I don't think the Jets are going to be remotely close to the playoff picture this year. No. But mm. I am very excited to see the AFC East uh, race because you do have three teams who I think are all good enough to win the division, who are all good enough to make the playoffs, and the Jets, who are good enough to be, like, that thorn in somebody's side. I think the Jets are going to get at least two wins this year against division opponents that are really going to affect it later down the road. Yeah, I expect this year, like, 6-11, and 7-10. and 10. Yeah, it's I can so see weird that. saying that. The I only <laughs> issue with the Jets right now that I'm really concerned about, because I actually do like some of the offseason moves that they made, the only thing that really concerns me right now is that they did nothing on the offensive line. Yeah, and that, that was the area that killed Sam Darnold the most. He couldn't stay healthy. He couldn't stay protected. They had they had nobody to, to help him out up front. Yeah, and they've done nothing up there. So it's really going to be the same group of five starters. They added a, a reserve uh, interior lineman. I think uh, what's his name Dan Feeney, the guy yeah. from San Diego. I mean from the sorry Chargers, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, I still say San Diego after all these years. Uh, they added him, but they haven't done anything else, and he's going to be a backup. So if they don't make one of their high draft picks a lineman, it's going to be the same yeah. group, yeah. and I, Zach Wilson's going to get beat I, up. I, I think they have to, with the, they have the, the 23rd, first, right? I, yeah, the second first round pick, I expect us to take a lineman. See, I, I, have them, I do not have them taking li- uh, a lineman, but I really think they should. I just think it's a Jets kind of move to go for those skill position players. And probably get it totally wrong. Yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah. Well, Denzel Mims looks okay right now. Let's Mim- hope. Mims looks solid. Let's hope he turns out to All right, be. Any- anything else about the Jets? No, I think we can move on. All right. Just don't make us cry. So let's move into baseball for a little bit. Yes. Uh, we've had about a week and a half so far uh, during the regular season. Aiden, your team, the Red Sox, are in first place. Uh, the go. New York Mets for Jack and I have been pretty much a total disaster so far and probably should be one and four if not for maybe the luckiest <laughs> win in baseball history, yeah. and we'll get more into the elbow game in a minute. Hey, there is something we both could be happy about, though. Yankees are in last. Oh. Yes. 
So, uh, Aiden, why don't you start? Go, go ahead and we'll talk about the Red Sox for a second. Yeah, so, I mean, I definitely don't think... I think this, this Red Sox team is playing above their above their uh, skill right now. Uh, that being said, I do think that this is a better Red Sox team than people were giving them credit for in the offseason, which is what I was saying all offseason. This offense, you're comparing it to 2018, and, of course, when you compare it to 2018, the best Red Sox team in history, like, of course it's not going to be as good. Um, but th- there is a lot of underrated talent, I think, on this team, uh, hit- hitting-wise. We've been getting multiple extra base hits every game. We've had double-digit hits, uh, I think, three out of the last five games. Uh, and it's been it's been really fun to watch. And then the biggest thing, the biggest improvement, is the pitching has not been terrible. Outside of Garrett Richards, I have not thought any pitcher in this in this team... Like, I haven't been afraid of a pitcher going up to pitch this year, which is not something that I'm used to saying based off the way that the last two seasons went for the Sox. So, you know, I think they're going to cool down. I don't necessarily think they're going to be World Series contenders, but I said it... I said when, when he, it was just Noah and I in the studio two weeks ago, I said, I think the Red Sox could win this division, and I stand by that statement. I think the Red Sox could win this division. Well, we'll see. They've gotten off to a hot start. They're five and three, and you you just mentioned and it. a five game win streak. Five too. game win yeah. streak, yeah. And for me, I think some of these offensive uh, acquisitions that they made. You said the offense was better. I mean, yeah. it should be considering you added Marwin Gonzalez, you added Kike Hernandez, you added more talent to this lineup to yeah. what already was there with Verdugo and hit. Bogarts and, and JD Martinez. This team is is not terrible. And it definitely former is. Met Kevin Pulecki was the catcher yesterday, so that was oh, cool. He was a Met, yeah. Yeah. yeah, for a long he, time. He was, he was on the he was on the Sox last He's season too. I, I like team. him a lot. Um, no, yeah, it's, I mean, one of the biggest problems we had last year, uh, Ben Attendee and Jackie Bradley Jr. are two of maybe the best defensive outfielders in the league right now. Uh, you know, they can stop anything. If something gets hit to them, there's no chance they're not catching it. But they can't hit, especially over the last two seasons. Neither of them were hitting particularly well. You know, they're both guys who are, you know, a good season for them is hitting 220 maybe. So Dang. replacing them, you're losing a lot in the outfield. You're going to give up more base hits in the outfield, but you're getting, you know, another guy on base every single game by replacing them with Franchi Cordero, Marwin Gonzalez, Hunter Renfro, and Christian Arroyo. You know, th- those four guys are all great contact hitters, and I'm liking the way they're looking so far. And as for the Mets, they're off to a 2-3 and three start. Obviously, they were delayed a, a few days. Don't remind me. Uh, delayed a few days because of the Nationals' COVID outbreak. They didn't play the opening series of the yeah. year. But they finished up their series with the Marlins today, and we could talk a little bit about the last two games. So yesterday's game, Jacob deGrom pitched, and in typical Jacob deGrom fashion, he was basically unhittable. There is no pitcher in this league that is better than Jacob deGrom. No, no at the moment, At the moment, the way he's pitched so far, I have to agree. And you could argue yeah. the, guy gave up, the guy gave up one run. The guy gave the up home, like a, homer. a home run, and then he just like you think he's gonna fall apart, and then he just completely just yeah he turns he's it dominant. on. He he's gets dominant. like twelve straight strikeouts, fourteen strikeouts yesterday. He gave up one run. Jack mentioned it. It was on a home run to Jazz Chisholm, who is the least uh, the farthest thing away from a power hitter. He pretty much just threw a fastball up, and Chisholm just hit it high enough where it went out. He only hit it four hundred feet. It looked like it was a lot farther because it was up in the second deck, but it really yeah. wasn't that far. Um, and that was the only run of the game up until the ninth inning when Edwin Diaz came in and gave up the last two runs. Ed lose. But the Mets had, I think, three or four hits yesterday. They couldn't drive no. in runners in with scoring posi- in run- with runners in scoring position. They are now, and I have the stat here, six for 41 so far. 
with runners in scoring position in the, on the year. It's, I thought you were going to say for awful. the year in total, and I was like, there's no way. No, 641 with runners in scoring mm. position. Yeah. And they, they just haven't hit yet. They get a guy in scoring position every inning, and they just can never drive him in. It's I don't know tough, what this hitting yeah. stat, this hit, the, 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 the hitting coach is doing. I don't know why it's just affecting these guys, why they can't do it in high-pressure situations. And right now, a lot of these guys don't look that good. Michael Conforto looks absolutely lost out there. He wants to get a contract extension. He's not getting one right now. He can't even hit the ball. Last yesterday, he get hit by the ball. Over four with three, <laughs> he can do that. with three ugly strikeouts. Not even close to making contact. Should've been four. And when he does make contact, he just hits a little dribbler right yeah. into the shift. He needs, to, especially right now. I don't understand, and I can never understand this against the shift. Why don't these guys bunt? They leave the entire left side wide open, and just do it enough. They'll put a guy over there. And then, and then the shift doesn't work. Exactly. Yeah. I don't understand why they I'll, don't do this. What, what I'll say is... Especially that, um, when you're struggling. Yeah. The, I think the Mets, they're, they're having some hitting problems, obviously. But I think that's going to get fixed out. So, player, players are, just aren't fully ready yet. You have some good hitters on that team. I mean, Alonso, oh, Lindor, Conforto. We should like, have the best offense in the league. It's, it's, I think it's going to warm up as the season goes along. The bigger issue has to be the pitching. Like the DeGrom, bullpen, you mean the bullpen, the bullpen, the bullpen specifically? Degrom is incredible, but as soon as Degrom go, as soon as Degrom and Stroman really exit the game, you know there's no gar- it does no run is too big or no no lead is is unbeatable. You know, mm-hmm. um, well the bullpen's been terrible to this yeah. point. Exactly, and Except so that I, I don't think right. I really don't think that this hitting is going to be the problem in the long run. It is right now. I think it's going to get better as the season goes on. What's going to be concerning, like usual, is that bullpen pitching. Yeah, the bullpen's mainly the main concern, but obviously, hopefully, they'll get to they'll get some they'll get reloaded in a few weeks. Hopefully, when Seth Lugo is able to come back, but also yeah. the starting rotation is going to get a big boost in a couple of months when or a couple of weeks. I think when Carrasco comes back, and then later on in June when Noah Syndergaard comes and back. And once that yeah. happens, you're able to move a couple guys into the bullpen who are starting oh, yeah, right for now. Sure. So maybe it's either like David Peterson or, or Joey Lucchese. I think Peter, Peterson, Peterson pitching out of the bullpen would be really good for you guys. Yeah, so a lefty. Once, once those guys move into the bullpen, you probably have some extra arms back there, uh, and you'll at least be able to have some extra depth that you didn't have early in the season. Yeah. Plus, Seth Lugo is going to yeah. be a huge help. Yeah, Lugo is going to be the key piece in that bullpen. So let's talk a little bit about well, the I, previous I want, game. Do you want, you want to get to that? I just wanna... want to, before okay. we do, I want to talk, uh, or actually, you know, talk, talk about the Mets and then. Okay. Uh, so let's just go back for a second about uh, back to a Thursday's game. So, Aiden, no, Aiden, you thought I was the most ridiculous call. So did Jack. Yeah, so did I. We were just joking about the, it. It like was the, one of the stupidest things I've ever uh, seen. So if you didn't see it, the Mets were down by a run to start the ninth. And Jeff McNeil comes up and just hits a total blast out to right field to lead off the inning. And they tie the game. And so the Mets, they tied it. They have a chance to take the, take the lead on Which a walk-off. Which was a, a, great, a great tire. Like great job on them to to come back. Oh right, in, yeah, in for sure. Yeah. Bat flip, that was iconic. Yeah. That was so a the good Mets one. then load the bases with one out, and Michael Conforto comes up with the bases loaded, and he's been struggling. He had a chance to win the game right there, either to just get on base or drive in a run on a sack fly. However, it was going to be, he had a chance to win the game. And instead of it being strike three, where the ball was right over the plate. You could see Conforto in the replay just lean his elbow out a little bit over the very, plate. Very, very clear. Even even in live, even when it was like at, at full speed, you could see that he, 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 he bumped his elbow out. And his elbow went over the plate, and the ball just nicked his little elbow pad that he was wearing. And the umpire called it a hit-by-pitch. 
He let Conforto go to first base. The Mets ended up walking in the or, uh, driving in the final run. It was a walk-off. And Don Mattingly, the Marlins manager, came out and was like, Conforto leaned his elbow over the plate. you you got to call him out. And Jack and I were both like, yeah, of course. He was definitely out. Yeah. So they went back and tried to look at the replay. But then we realized that that play not is not reviewable. reviewable. Well, it, the, the, the part that's reviewable is whether or not he got hit. Yeah. The, the part that's right. not reviewable is whether or not he leaned into it. So apparently that's not, not a reviewable Which play. it should be. But... And it should be a reviewable play. And the Mets ended up stealing a win that they should have never had at that point. They could have had a chance to win it with the next hitter, which I believe was, yeah, with Pete Alonso coming up. But with Conforto, I, I mean, that, two, that was... I thought there were two outs. No, no I believe, I believe there was only one out. out. One out. And Conforto, I mean, he should have been out. That was, that was a strike three called strike three if it didn't hit him on the elbow, and then he ended up leaning his elbow in. So that should have been two times he was out. Yeah. And the Mets ended up winning the game off of it. And it was pretty controversial. It got a lot of attention in the national media. Uh, and it was pretty much... And I think everybody agrees <laughs> the most that that horrible was 100%. way to win a game. 100%. Anybody you ask, unless they play for the Mets, is going to tell you that was a strike. Yes. Well, even the Mets' definitely. home announcers, Gary Cohen, Rondo, yeah. and Keith Hernandez, they, they were applauded uh, by a lot of people out there who ended up seeing what they were talking about because they were like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> this shouldn't be allowed. You can't win a game like this. And yet they obviously couldn't change the call. The umpires did all they could, and there was nothing they could change about it. So that ends up being the game right there. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, that's not the way you want to win. Full take it, obviously, but it's not the right way to do it. I'm sure that rule is going to be changed. Especially, it definitely, it definitely, especially with the new CBA coming up. That I, rule I do think that will 100 be changed now. Everything, I think, almost everything outside of balls and strikes should be should be reviewable. I agree. Like, yeah. what what's the point in not having something like that be reviewable? Yeah, it's re- yeah what's the point know. of having a review if it's only going to be on like, oh, did this ball land in a glove or hit a wall? Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, for sure. But obviously, it's it is what it is. Yeah, at least he did something right. <laughs> I do, unless you guys have, do you guys have anything else about the Mets? All right, no. I want to talk quickly about the Orioles, just in honor of Dean, because he can't be here right now. Uh, you know, Orioles did get off to a hot start. I mean, they beat the Sox uh, first three games of the season, and then they won, what, two two out of three against the Yankees? One out of three against the Yankees. I think one out of three. One out of three against the Yankees. Uh and it was a great win. I mean, extra inning, Santander with a with a great well, throw. Well, you know, I said this. Every extra inning win should be taken with a grain of salt yes. in 2021. I'm yes. sorry. That but, rule is horrible. But it's still, it was still a great play uh, a great play to end the game. True. You know, great throw by, by Santander. Um, and, you know, the, the Orioles, offensively, I do think the Orioles uh, are, do have what it takes to be in the thick of things. Their their hitting is not is not bad. Mancini being back is incredible. Uh, he I I'm assuming you guys saw his first home run back yeah. from yeah, cancer, which nice. is that which is awesome. amazing. Awesome moment. You love yeah. to see things like that. And Cedric Mullins and Mullins has, has been, been one of the hottest hitters in the in the league. Yeah, he's yeah. been great. Uh, the the starting pitching has been mostly okay. Yeah, John Means is is very solid. Means is and solid. Matt Harvey. Matt Harvey. Matt Harvey did not have a good game the other day against the Sox, but his it was first good game enough. Against, his first game against the Sox was great. Look, if he can just be a mid-rotation starter for them, yeah. not only will the, will the Orioles be impressed considering they signed him to a minor league contract, he wasn't supposed to be in the big leagues this year, but he may have rebuilt his value enough so where next season, if he's a free agent... He might get a major league contract somewhere and might oh, yeah. be able to be maybe just a bullpen piece or maybe a back-end starter for exactly. another team. We'll see how it goes. How so it goes. Yeah. The, the, so far, so good. The offense and the starting pitching have been, have been, pretty, have been pretty solid. The, the bullpen, not so much. And, I mean, the, the, the Red Sox won 
this game last night off of off of the bullpen. Uh, it, it realistically should have been a loss, one in extras. Um, you know, there, it's that, and uh, that that's been that's been their struggle the past couple seasons. So you know, obviously Orioles, big division rivals. I want to beat them every time. But uh, Dean, I hope I hope that you guys can fix fix that bullpen a little bit, get back into things because. The rivalry is much more fun when we're when we're both you know at each other's throats. And they're four and yeah. four to start the season out, yeah. so not bad. Which yeah. is not bad. The it's not bad. They're going to get there. Right now, they have a top five farm system. They're projected. They do. They're projected to win the World Series by twenty twenty six. I could see it honestly. They could be very scary in the next couple years. Chris Davis's contract is going to come off the board. Yeah. They can pay for some some guys in free agency. They're coming. I, I I do think the Orioles need to go after pitching in the off season by far, and and even at Kershaw the, and Scherzer both at, free as the as the Season progressed. They got a they got a trade a couple a couple for for a couple pitchers specifically in the bullpen, but even starters wouldn't hurt them right now. Uh, you can never have too much pitching. Sure. Never. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the the biggest baseball news that happened this week, yeah. and that involves the San Diego Padres. Now the Padres have been in the news for the last year for all the great acquisitions they've made, but in terms of starting pitching, we all talked about the moves to get Blake Snell to get. You Darvish, and then last season at the trade deadline, they got Mike Clevenger. Nobody talked about them getting Joe Musgrove. <laughs> Nobody, Nobody did. And yet and Joe yet. Musgrove <laughs> threw a no-hitter on Friday night. So let's talk about that. That was awesome. That the was... first no-hitter in the history of the uh, San Diego Padres franchise dating back to 1969, and they've never thrown one. The yep, only yes. major league team that never had yeah. one up to this point, so and this they got the, it. This is the first time since before the expansion that every single team in the league has thrown a no-no. Well, the Mets only have one, too. They were the only other team up to the last few years and that didn't have one. And it's and not Johan real. And Santana ended that. And the Mets is not, is not a real no <laughs> Right, that should have been happened? a hit. Oh, you didn't oh, you no, don't I, remember? I don't remember. Back yeah, in 2012, the ball hit the, the yeah. third baseline, and it, it should have been fair. Like and they line. You could see the chalk mark. You could see the white line. Like You could see it's like not perfect because the ball <laughs> hey, hit Hey, it. we take those. We take those. Yes. But there was no challenge rule back then, so they couldn't do anything yes. about it. Yeah. But this was an awesome moment for, for the Padres, a local a local kid. Who was traded here? Very under the radar move to be a back end starter, and he's making that move look downright genius who, right now. Who is it against again? Texas. Three, Texas. It was a one three nothing. So you know maybe maybe not the most impressive team to do it against. Hey, it's hard but, to get twenty seven straight outs. Exactly. You know it's it's impressive. It's impressive no matter what to pitch a no hitter, uh, especially as a guy who is the worst starter on his team of. Four great starters. Is he now though? Maybe not. Maybe not. But like, just you know, based off of based off of just you know, yeah. On paper, he is not. He is. He is the fifth. Also, did he? I was curious about this. Remember when I saw the game? Did he hit anybody by pitch? Because I saw his numbers. It's at like end of the ninth inning. I saw his thing. It said no, no hits, no. No walks. I was like, oh, my God, this guy pitched a perfect game. I was like, that would be incredible. No, I, maybe there might have been an error. You know, there's a few different yeah. ways where you can end a, end a perfect yeah, game. Yeah, I don't think I'm it was sure. an error. That's why, that's why I was... Um, I'm looking it up right now. That's why I was curious. But, yeah, this is this has been... It's pretty surprising. I mean, Joe Musgrove... And this was a guy they got from the Pirates. Wow. Nobody Dude. talked about him from Pittsburgh. But this guy's a good pitcher. And for him to be their Just fourth or Pittsburgh. fifth starter... Yeah, I mean, that's really impressive to have a guy who's this talented. And he's he's had good seasons before. He was in Houston for a while. Didn't get a lot he of did, chances there. He did have one one hit by one hit pitch. Okay, that's uh, where we're going. Oh, that was a perfect game. It, yeah, uh, Joey Gallo, 
And then, so he retired the first 11, hit Joey Gallo, then retired the next 16. No base runners except for Gallo. So it was one pitch away from a perfect game. That's oh, crazy. Crazy. But still, I mean, <laughs> still still crazy impressive. Yeah, and he, he's had it. good numbers before. Last year he had an ERA, uh, almost four. He's been around four his entire career, which isn't bad for a mid or back, back end starter. And so far this year, he hasn't allowed a run in his two starts. Yeah, 15, 15 innings in two games. One complete game. He, he as the season ends today, he'd probably be the, he'd probably have the Cy Young. So really impressive stuff from Joe Musgrove. And I've said yeah. this a million times before. No hitters are one of my favorite things that happen in sports. Perfect yeah. games and no hitters. Yes. they're so cool. They're so rare, and it's something that I really feel like not only can a team celebrate, but it's something that an entire fan base can get excited about. And and it's just something that lives with the fan base forever. I can tell you still to this day, the, no, the Johan yeah, Santana no-hitter. That was crazy. I have a banner of it in my room. It says, Nohan, you know, no-hitter, Johan. So, that's Nohan, good, good. June first, 2012. I'll never forget the 8 nothing win over the Cardinals. I'll never forget <laughs> Terry Collins, the agonizing decision to leave him in rather than take him out when he got into the 130s in terms of how many pitches he'd thrown. And it's something that I think a lot of Mets fans still cherish to this day. They remember that Friday night very vividly like I do. And I think all Padre fans that enjoyed this game and, and watched it, they'll probably remember it for the next 20 or 30 years, just like the Mets fans all do. Yeah, Absolutely. for sure. This is, this is the best thing that's happened to the Padres in the yeah. past 20 years. And they're going to have an exciting year. They're going to be right up. They're going to be contending for a title. You could argue they're the, one, they're the second best team in the National League outside the Dodgers. Yeah. They're going to make it tough on the Dodgers all year. Absolutely. Dodgers can't coast. They're going to, because the, the Padres will be right there. Sure. All right, should we take a quick little break and then uh, come back with some basketball? Yep, absolutely. All right, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back in just a minute. We're no strangers to love. You know the rules, and so do I. A full commitment's what I'm thinking of. You wouldn't get this from any other specialty show. Nothing but love, Tuesdays, 11 to midnight. For all your ushy-gushy warm feelings, tune in. At VIC, the voice of Ithaca College, we prioritize diversity and inclusion. We are working to ensure that more voices are heard. We support and will continue to support the Black Lives Matter movement and victims of police brutality and racial injustice. We've heard you. We support you. We must advocate for change. Black Lives Matter. Missed that last song? Want to check out our music blog? Well, then log on to www.vicradio.org. See our daily schedule, take a look at our wide selection of specialty programming, and learn more about our annual 50-hour marathon. That's VICradio.org, your online home for the best of what's next. Hello, we are back. So we are going to talk about some, are we going to start with the NBA? Sure. sure. All right. So obviously the NBA has been great the past couple days. Uh, Celtics, go Celtics. Um, go but <laughs> go next too for you guys. Uh, go Clevers for Dean. <laughs> um, but the one of the bigger games happened last night, and one of the more surprising outcomes, honestly, uh, Nets Lakers. I was not watching it, but I did watch the. Or I did look through the recap. I watched some highlights, but you, you two were definitely watching it. So why don't you guys give us uh, give us a rundown on that game? Yeah, so last night, Noah and I, we were watching the Lakers-Nets game. On, we were doing, actually, we were doing a color cast, so that was a lot of fun. We actually called the game the yeah. entire time. It was a lot of fun, yeah. yeah. So we were very awesome. surprised. If I'm, if I'm a Laker fan, and especially if I'm LeBron James or Anthony Davis, I am so excited right now. This team showed just what they're capable of last night. 
Last night, Dennis Schroeder was having an unbelievable first half. The shooting was absolutely sensational. Andre Drummond looking like he's finally starting to get comfortable with this new team. And this team played great defense throughout the entire night. And they really, like, they put the pedal to the metal. They weren't going to let the Nets just stomp over them like they've been stomping over everybody else. And that's what you want to see from a championship team. The game took a turn in the at the beginning of the at the beginning of the third quarter when Kyrie Irving and Dennis Schroeder they looked like they were just guarding each other and Kyrie Irving tried to strip the ball from Dennis Schroeder and apparently Schroeder didn't really like it and they got into each other's faces and they both got double texts and they both got ejected. And that really opened the game. The Nets had no playmaking the entire second half. And the they didn't even hit a three in the second half. So yeah, they were oh, I think fifteen in the second wow, half. Really? Three. Yeah, it was Jeez. really bad. So it was shooting. a really That's ugly with Durant too. It, yeah, it was a really ugly performance. The Lakers should be proud. Yeah, for sure. And not only should the Lakers be proud for the way that they held on and actually won this game, they should be proud because they had. And you meant Jack mentioned that the Nets really had very little, very few playmakers on the floor last night. And the Lakers had fewer playmakers on the floor last night. And so when Dennis Schroeder was out, it was like, who the heck is going to dribble the ball for this team? And Alex Caruso came in the second half and did a really nice job. Uh, ben McLemore in his second game with the team yeah. was awesome. He had a huge fourth, fourth quarter. Player. He had 17 points, and I think wow. all but three of those came in the fourth. So, yeah, I think four threes came in the fourth quarter. And the biggest, biggest news of the night comes from Andre Drummond. Because yeah. he only played 22 minutes last night. He had 20 points and 11 rebounds. And I, I, let me tell you, in the second half, especially early in the third quarter when he got really cooking— LaMarcus Aldridge was guarding him and could do absolutely nothing with him. He, he was Drummond destroying is so LaMarcus yeah. so Aldridge. I love Andre Drummond. It's kind of funny. I agree with Noah has some points on him. He's not the best player, obviously. He has his flaws. He likes to try and do a little too much. He'll start at the free throw line. He'll try and like dribble down like through the legs and try to get to the basket. He's not good at that. But last night when he was playing the way that the Lakers want him to play, when he was running the pick and roll with Dennis Schroeder, where he was getting like one post touch, one dribble, hook shot, he just looks phenomenal. The pick and roll was just a beautiful thing to see last night. Yeah, the, the Nets had they no chance with perfection. Just imagine him doing that with LeBron James. It'd be great. Uh, yeah, I think this is definitely the Lakers team that has... Th- th- this is the way the Lakers need to play, um, with or without LeBron and AD. Uh, this is the way the, the rest of the team needs to play if they want to get back to the championship. Um, I think that if this is a sign of what's to come, uh, it's promising Listen, I will root for the Lakers over the over the Nets if it's in the finals. Same. Um, but if this is a sign of what's to come, it's good. I don't know if this was a fluke or if it was just uh, or if you know these guys are really ready to start producing without their stars. Uh, either way, it was a good game to see. Uh, a, a, a great game, uh, I have to agree, by Drummond, uh, playing on on only twenty minutes, twenty two minutes. So. I would say it's more of a fluke, if I'm going to be honest, yeah. and I'm the one that roots for the Lakers uh, of the group of, of the group of us here, because they hit 19 of 34 from three-point range. That's almost 56%, and yeah. they're one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league. Now, getting Ben McLemore definitely gives you an extra shooter, and he is excellent from behind the arc, but they're not, they're not a very good three-point shooting team, so unless they're going to make shots like they did last night every night, they're not going to win all these games. However, the defense, that's legit. Because they were the number one defensive team in the league pre-AD LeBron injuries. And since they've, those two have been out, they're still in the top three. So that just shows you that the, the system that Frank Vogel has implemented there has really worked. And it doesn't matter who's on the floor, they're going to execute it. And so that's the most encouraging sign. Again, they're not going to shoot so well every single night. They're going to have their 
issues offensively at times, but the fact that they're really competing and giving their effort every single night is something that I think LeBron and AD will really be happy about and that the Lakers can hang their hats on for as long as those two guys will be out of the lineup. That's, that's the most encouraging sign for me. Absolutely. Uh, other things going on in the league. Uh, Jack, if you want to talk about the Knicks for a minute, I mean, they've been playing, I guess, better in the last couple of games. They just beat Memphis in what was a really impressive comeback win. Uh, before that, they'd struggled a little bit, but they're still right in the playoff mix, and it's been impressive to see the development of R.J. Barrett. Yeah, definitely. The Knicks have been Who's struggling. not better than John Morant. No, he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> yeah, the, Settle that once and for yes, all. Yes, of course, obviously. But I will say this. The Knicks, they've been struggling lately. Obviously, this team is very good. They play hard. They play defense. But at the end of the games, they've struggled. They don't have that, they don't have that many great shooters, and they don't have a true closer. So it's been tough to win games at the end. I believe that now, with the, the win against Memphis, they're 3-8 and eight in games decided by less than five points. So... They struggle to win out close games, and you really see that's the difference in the standings. But they've started; they've played very well. R.J. Barrett is really coming into his own. If you look at him in the last couple of games, his jump shot is really coming along. I believe now he's up to 38.2% from okay. behind the three-point line this year, averaging 18 points and six rebounds. And he's a very solid defender. He, I feel he's very underappreciated. Not that I'm not saying he's better than Zion. I'm not saying he's better than... Ja. I'm, not, I'm not saying he's better than Ja, but... Especially the last couple, he's only in a second year, but last year I felt he deserved to be on at least the second rookie team. They've, ESPN came out with a list, like the top 25 youngest players with the brightest future. He wasn't on that list. I think that was a little bit disrespectful. They're kind of sleeping on him, and I think, and I'm, I'm not going to say it's definite, but I think in the next two years he could be an all star. Yeah, I could, I could see it. He's on that track, too, and the other night he hit six of six from three. You mentioned it, Jack. He's been really shooting the ball well. Yeah. And I think the playmaking is really where I think we're seeing a lot of growth as well. He came into the league two years ago, and I think his best attribute was the, his ability to pass the basketball and just be aggressive attacking the rim. And we've started to see that. He had a really nice drive at the end of the game against Memphis. He attacked John Moran. He got to his left hand. He finished. And we're just seeing a new level of aggressiveness, and really, confidence. from Barrett. And confidence, right. And he just looks at his defender a lot of times and just goes, you can't stop me one-on-one, I'm going to go right at you, and he scores. Or he goes to the basket, and there's guys that get open for three, and he'll kick out, and he'll find people. And I just, I've been really impressed by that. And Julius Randle has struggled a little bit, as, as uh, Jack was talking about, but the fact that they've been able to get Barrett unlocked a little bit and the role players outside of those two have been playing at a much higher level, whether it's Reggie Bullock or Alfred Payton's been playing pretty well recently as well. Um, Nerlens Noel's been playing pretty decently. The fact that those some of those guys have been producing is also a good sign because without Mitchell Robinson, you needed guys to step yeah. up, and they have. Yeah. Alec Burks as well has been great. I also like. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but like the 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 goal for the Knicks <clears throat> this season was not be a top four team. No, you know, it was make the playoffs, and that's really it. And they're on track to do that, even if they have to make the play-in game. Uh, I think they're one of the best teams in that in that group. Um, so it's, it's an impressive season, whether or not they, they actually do make the playoffs. This is a great season for the Knicks. And, um, I, I, I think it's, it's a sign of what's to come and it could show, you know, maybe, maybe players are going to start to want to come there. Yeah, absolutely. This could be like an actual off season where I wouldn't be stunned if the Knicks actually are able to add a star because they've at least shown something that they're heading in the right direction. This Tom Thibodeau is starting to change the culture. There's a good vibe around this team. There hasn't been much drama. And I want to give credit to Leon Rose, who's done a great job with this team. The only thing I'm going to give him 
the only thing I'm going to be mad at him for is just that uh, Obi Toppin pick. Everything else he's done is, I think, I give him two thumbs up. That's fair. For sure. Uh, anything else going around the league that you guys want to talk about? We got um, Denver, see. been really good. Yeah. The Clippers, yeah. there's a few other teams we can discuss. Go yeah, ahead, I want to talk about Denver a little bit. I just want to say, this Aaron Gordon trade, I'm not saying... I'm not saying it's obviously there's been big trades before. That this trade, if the Nuggets, if the Nuggets can win a title in the, like the next two to two to four years, could go down as being one of like the best trades for not like a superstar, but like a guy that's just going to come in and he's going to just be that one piece your team needs to just get everything to make I sense. Think, I do think that that trade turned them into absolutely. Uh, the very Western Conference contenders. Absolutely, 100%. They have been, they're 8-0 since training for Aaron Gordon. Yeah. He fits so nicely next to Nikola Jokic. And it's very interesting to me, the one thing that was very surprising, as I thought this beforehand, I thought Denver, once they got Aaron Gordon, they got rid of Gary Harris, I thought they needed to bring in another shooting guard. And it's they really haven't needed that. I didn't think Will Barton was going to be able to play the two, but he's done a phenomenal job there. It fixes a major problem for them. They can play Barton and Porter together now with Aaron Gordon. I think the bench still they're very strong up for their, they're very strong in the forward spot with Millsap and Green. They have JaVale McGee. If they can get one more guard, this team has enough depth and they certainly have enough talent to compete for a championship. And Jack, you want to talk about your your hot prediction that you came up with yesterday or two days ago that you tell me about? Yeah, with well, the Nuggets. I, Go ahead, tell them. Yeah, I said this. I think no matter what, I think I think one LA team is going to be in the finals. I don't know if it's the Lakers or Clippers, but Denver I think is a lock for the conference finals. I like it. I I I like that. I I would not be surprised. Um, yeah, I I I think you have to put you have to put the Nuggets as as a lock right now. Could they? What what what's their seed right now? They're the fourth, but they're climbing. Fourth. They will be in the top three by the end of the year. Yes. Yeah, for I'm sure. pretty sure. It's what? Who's ahead of them? The Suns, Suns Jazz, the and Jazz. Clippers. But they're only a the game okay. out of the third spot with the Clippers. Yeah, the Clippers have been. That. The Clippers have had a very up and down season. Yeah, so. and also another thing we forget to mention, but the last two years, this Nuggets team. If you go back to 2019, their first round, they played a first round series against the Spurs. Spurs won seven games. They played, a, they played their second round series against the Blazers. Seven games they lost last year. Seven game series round one. Seven game series round two. This team not only are they gaining, not only are they gaining talent, but they have gained tons of experience yeah. in and playoff situations. That's going to come in been, handy this year. This has also been against teams that are really good. I mean, they they fought hard last year against the against the Lakers. Absolutely. Well, they only took it to five games. But I know. They, but still, they, they fought them. Yeah, they, they fought hard. It was a hard fought five games. Every were, game came down to the wire. No, nobody expected anybody but the Lakers to come out of the West. You know, well, except for everyone else in this agree to disagree group, except the, for me. The, you the, all thought the Clippers had it, and the Clippers, I was like, the no Clippers way. Before before the before the bubble restarted, I think. yes, I think before the bubble. Uh, but but once 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 the bubble really started, like it was it was Lakers all the way. I think we were all just denying it. <laughs> yeah, Lou Will went to go, go, go chicken wings. Yeah. Montrez Harrell wasn't mentally focused. They still had injuries from Bev and Jermichael Green. They weren't. They weren't. <laughs> All right. Did we want to talk about uh, since we didn't get to talk about it last week? Wanted to talk about a little bit the end of uh, March Madness. Sure. Sure. So um, men's and women's both ended after the show, or not after the show, but uh, after we recorded the show for last week. So we haven't been able to talk about either. Let's start off with uh, with the men's game. Gonzaga-Baylor, that was a disappointing end to Gonzaga's season, I must say. Uh, what was the final score? 
Do you, I think do you it remember? was 86, 86 to, 70. to 70. Yeah, I think okay. that's what it was. It, it was a disappointing end to Gonzaga's season. I mean, Gonzaga with one of the best regular seasons and runs in the tournament that we've ever seen. Uh, but you have to imagine just the, the, the heartbreak that they're that they're feeling right now. Well, for sure. And I think the reason they didn't win this game, not only did they not play well, but they just met their match. And the reason is they played a team that has athletic and playmakers at the guard spot. And Baylor had three of them that were in their starting lineup in Macy Oteague, the point guard Jared Butler, and future lottery pick Davion Mitchell. All those guys are athletic, they're quick, they're fast, they're strong, they can get their own shot, they can create shots for others. And for whatever reason, Gonzaga, they move the ball really well, but they don't really have guys that can get their shot on their own to that extent. Yeah. And they just got beat because they couldn't stay in front of those guards. And every time there was a screen and roll and Drew Timmy or one of the bigs got stuck outside to guard one of these smaller players, Baylor just went right by him. Yeah. And whether it was Mitchell or Butler, whoever it was, they just went right by him or got a step back three or they just got whatever they wanted on offense. And Gonzaga just couldn't keep up because they didn't score very well. And it was a rough game for them from the start to the finish. Yeah, and I, I think you, you said this while we were watching the game. Uh, Baylor is just so much bigger. Physically yeah. bigger than them. They're so like tough. They battle. They're so yeah. strong. Like you know, Jalen Suggs is an incredible player, and he's going to be a top three pick. But you know, when you when you put him up against a guy who's you know like David Mitchell, fifty pounds and four inches bigger than him. Um, well, it's not even fifty. Not even four inches. It's just the fact that Davion Mitchell. If you look at him, he's just a built yeah, guy. A tank. Yeah. yeah, and and, and Jalen Suggs, Suggs is, is not. just a skinny. He's only nineteen years old. Yeah, so. Exactly. Davion Mitchell reminds me a lot of. I want to say Marcus Smart. He plays that fit. He's physical. He plays the game with emotion. He's going to be a very good defender. He's going to be hard to get by. He's not going to give you anything. I, think I love him. In the I NBA. think he's going to be a great NBA player. Yeah, I'm excited too. to see where he where he where he ends up. I yeah, hope same he, here. If he falls out of the lottery, I hope can the Knicks get him with their second first rounder. Possibly, but I, I don't think he's falling out of the lottery, yeah. Jack. No. And then they also have, I mentioned, a couple other guys. They have maybe two or three guys who might be first-round picks. Jared Butler looks like a first-round NBA pick, the point guard. And the potential for Macy Oteague to be there. Maybe Matthew Mayer off the bench as like a spark plug shooter, potentially. I think I could see him potentially have an NBA role. This Baylor team, we didn't talk about them a lot because it's a smaller school. They're not, they weren't undefeated. They weren't Gonzaga. They didn't get all the storylines. But when push comes to shove, they were just a better team than the Zags. And we got to see it on full display on Monday night. And that's why Scott Drew and the Bears have a national title yeah. and Mark Few and the Bulldogs do and not. Congratulations to Baylor. Yeah. I mean, now they have they, – they won the men's in 2021. They won women's in 2019. Um, and they've been very dominant in basketball for both men's and women's over the past couple of years. Right? Absolutely. And they will be over the next few. Yep. Let's talk quickly about the women's game. Uh, it was – you know, not not as exciting maybe as um, as the games that came right before it. You know, the, the final still four a games. One point game, but it was a incredible game to watch. Uh, so, thought, thoughts on thoughts on that final outcome? Well, look, Stanford was the best team in college women's college basketball this yeah. year. They were the number one overall seed, and so it's not a surprise that they won. I think the bigger shock was the team they played in Adia Barnes's Arizona yeah. team with Arian McDonald. Paige Beckers yeah. was stunned. And yeah, and Paige Beckers and UConn was stunned in the Final Four against Arizona. And the fact that they had even gotten there as a three seed was not only was it surprising, but it was really cool to see a team that nobody expected to get oh, there for sure. and advance all the way. 
Uh, it obviously went down and to the to final. Keep it close, yeah. Right. It obviously went down to the final possession. Stanford ended up getting the last defensive stop and, and holding on. But congratulations to the Cardinal. And by the way, congratulations to the Pac-12. Yeah. Two, the two national finalists were both from the same conference, so that's really, really impressive. And congratulations to Coach Tara Vanderveer. I think it's her first championship since 1992, and she's been it doing is. it for wow. around 40 years at Stanford. Great she's coach. an unbelievable coach, and this was well-deserved. Yeah, Pac- the Pac-12, again, for both men's and women's, had, an, had a great year, especially after multiple years of mediocrity. Uh, they they had a great year for, for men's and for women's uh, with, you know, Oregon, Stanford, Arizona, all having, all having great runs for women, and then Oregon, UCLA, uh, USC, uh, um, who else was it? Uh, uh, Colorado Oregon won a State, game, yeah, Oregon State, yeah. All, all, having, all having some great runs there. So uh, I think that was a fantastic season by that. And it's not that. just mediocrity. For most people, I think, in the country, the Pac-12 was just kind of irrelevant. Yeah. In, in football and in basketball. Because the basketball teams were mostly underachieving. And the football teams, if you think about the teams that have been in the college football playoff. Or the last or, time a Pac-12 team was in the college football playoff was the first season they did it. No, Washington was there once. When, when did they like get it? was three years ago. They played Alabama and got smashed. I do not remember that, honestly. Jake Browning I, was the quarterback. Yeah, or Oregon, Oregon made the, the finals with, uh, against Ohio State. Right, right? they were, had Mariota. But there was Mariota. one other time that Washington made it. Well, oops. And, <laughs> yeah, there was one other time. And other than that... The Pac-12 football has just been atrocious. Yeah, it yeah. has not been something great to watch. Although, I will say, what, one of the things that I love about the Pac-12 is that they're always competitive. Those big teams are always competitive in multiple sports. Just none of them are championship contenders most years. Right. No. Well, they're I, not Alabama. They're not yeah. LSU. They're not Ohio State. Yeah. They're not Clemson. All right, before we run out of time, I think we should move on because there's one thing I definitely want to talk go about. Go for it. Go for it. In the NBA. Big news yesterday. Probably the... Biggest news out of the NBA. Um, Woj, Woj tweeted it out. Apparently, the Minnesota Timberwolves are oh, right. be, are being sold. How did we forget to talk about yeah, that yet? I just remembered. <laughs> Minnesota Timberwolves are being sold to Alex Rodriguez. And Couldn't. I forgot the name of his billionaire. I think his name partner. is Mark Lore. Mark Lore yeah. are buying the Minnesota Timberwolves for, I believe, a deal that's worth $1.5 million. Billion. A billion, so excuse me. <laughs> billion dollars. <laughs> If it was million, that, I think a lot of people yeah, would have been trying to buy it. That's a bargain. Yeah, and then and they will take over the team in 2023. Yeah, what do you guys think of this? Personally, well, I'm laughing because A Rod, Rod gave up on his MLB dreams because exactly. he knows he that's not happening. I think he couldn't get one failing team, uh, so he went to the the next best thing or the next worst thing. Well, he went to a team that was worth 2.6 billion and could have gotten a major market franchise on the Mets. And got a Timberwolves team that's been to the playoffs once in like 15 years. Listen, so. I don't think it's going to be terrible. What I am afraid of and what my roommate Marab, who's a big Timberwolves fan, is afraid of is that we all know how uh, how Rodriguez has those ties to Seattle. And we also all know how much Seattle wants their franchise back. So a lot of people are afraid that maybe this is a this is a move to Seattle. No. I heard yesterday I that but there's an agreement in yeah, place that they will I heard keep too. the team. And it's not just the Timberwolves, by the way. It's also the Minnesota Lynx, the WNBA team yes, there. Yes, did get sold with so the Lynx. both of those teams are apparently supposed to remain in Minnesota. That was the that was the deal they had with, with Glenn like Taylor. I, 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 I really, like really hope so. I, I like, like their team in Minnesota. Yeah, and it's 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 also, you know— it's a small market team. Those those guys, the, the people up in Minnesota, they need their teams. Right. And it's actually kind of interesting because you mentioned, Jack, they're going to take over in 2023. 
it's quite similar to what was supposed to happen the yeah, first this deal time still fall apart. with Steve Cohen when he was trying to buy the Mets the first time before yeah. A-Rod even got involved. The deal was that he was going to buy the team from the Wilpon family, and it was going to be a five-year transition period. Oh, thank you God usually don't, you don't hear about that sort of stuff, but in this case, it looks like it's going to be a two-year transition period where mm-hmm. Taylor's going to teach them the ropes of how to be an NBA owner and kind of what the deal is. And then by the time 2023 comes around, Lore and A-Rod will take over full control of the team, and that'll be that. And Kevin Garnett's number can finally be retired. Oh, thank right. God. <laughs> uh, but who knows? I, by the I, time I, 2023 comes around, just to add a quick point here, who knows – if Carl Anthony Towns will still be in that uniform, oh, he will. He will. If D'Angelo Russell, I mean, it might just be Anthony Edwards and a bunch of no names. Cat, Cat's still going to be on the team. Anthony Edwards is still going to be on the team. Russell could go either way. Honestly, who knows about Cat? He I could wish, request yeah. a trade at any moment. Cat could trade at any time. I, I don't think I don't Especially think he'll if want they to get another number one pick again. See, I like, I really don't think he'll want to. I think he loves. Because they're not going to make a playoffs with a bunch of yeah. They young stink. Cat just said he's done with stat padding and he wants to start winning and. I don't know if that's going to happen with the Timberwolves. I, I think it could over the next couple of years. They have one of the better young rosters, I think, on paper. Uh, it's just a matter of getting the right coach. I mean, they, they kept it close. They've kept it close and beaten some good teams. Don't remind um, me. They, they kept it close against the Celtics the other night, took them to overtime. They beat us. Uh, they beat the Knicks. They beat the Jazz <laughs> earlier in the season. I don't think this is a team that's going to be winning the championship soon, but I think they are going to be making the playoffs in the next yeah. couple of years. You know what's amazing? And, it's kind of it. it's kind of sad about it though. In the last Wiggins was drafted twenty fourteen, correct? Yeah, that was, yes, twenty fourteen. Yeah. And in less than a decade, as now that Lamelo Ball's out, they, they've had they're gonna have their third rookie of the year in less than a decade, and they, and they're still not a consistent playoff contender. Oh yeah. Well, the Jimmy Butler thing set them back years. Yeah, yeah that was sure. a huge issue. If 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 that never happened, if they never paid Wiggins, this team would have been different. Yeah, still had Zach Levine. Um, all right, so I would have loved to talk about this more. I'm sorry we forgot about it until the end, but we got to get to winners and losers real quick. Yeah. So I have I have some for both. It's been a great week for me, but uh, Jack, why don't you go first? Sure. My winner, uh, I kind of took this from Aiden, <laughs> but all I'm, good. <laughs> but I'm gonna take it now. My winner has got to be Tim LaCastro, former Goat. Ithaca College bomber. Playing Major League Baseball, he is the first player in Major League history to successfully steal his first 28 bases without being caught. He is 28 of 28, and it has been reported that his cleats are going to Cooperstown. So an Ithaca College alumni has a piece in the Hall of yes, Fame. That is and iconic, and that is something you will never forget. Congratulations, Tim LaCastro. And in the future, he will also have a plaque in the Hall of Fame. Yes. Calling it now. Yes. <laughs> The, uh, that, that's incredible by Tim McCaster, yeah. Uh, no, you want to go? Yeah, my, my winner of the week is going to be Roy Williams, the legendary head men's basketball coach in North Carolina. He retired earlier this week, and he's going to step aside after, I think it was 18 years of excellence with the Tar Heels. And Hubert Davis, his former player, or a former player at North Carolina, and he's been an assistant there for about the last decade, is going to take over. And I listened to Hubert speak at his introductory press conference this week. He seems like he knows exactly what he wants to do. He's part of the Carolina family. He understands the tradition that goes along with being a Tar Heel. And I have no doubt that he's going to do an amazing job there and that the Tar Heels are not going to fall off the map. They're still going to be a blue blood, a powerhouse every single season Mm -hmm. and continue to take them to NCAA tournaments and have a lot of success. So congratulations to Roy Williams on one of the greatest college coaching careers ever. And congratulations to Hubert Davis on being the next coach in North Carolina. Cool for both guys. I I had a loser that I now cannot remember for the life of me, and I don't know why. Um, so I guess this week's loser is me. 
Uh, but the I, I have two winners. The first one I want to talk about is the WNBA. I don't know if you guys saw their new jerseys. If you haven't, look them up. They just released new jerseys for every single one of the teams, and they are so cool. They are better than a lot of NBA jerseys, if you ask me. Um, and they, they, they really are just awesome. Uh, the WNBA has been making a lot... Uh, has, has been getting a lot more popular over the past couple of years, and this is just another thing that that'll help them, uh, because you know people love to get jerseys. You know, I'll 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 say it myself. I I love buying jerseys. I love having jerseys, even for teams I don't support. And the other well, aren't winner, you aren't you on a mission to get a jersey from every team? I am. Yeah, I, yes. I'm on a mission to get a jersey from every team in the four major sports in America. So baseball, uh, NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL. I am not even close to being there. Maybe I'll add the WNBA to my list, too. Uh, who knows? That'd be cool. That That'd would be, be cool. Awesome. Um, and then the the other winner I wanted to give a quick shout-out to, the hometown team, one of the few uh, schools in from my state of Massachusetts that's actually good at sports, UMass Amherst, uh, won the uh, hockey, uh, D, D1 Hockey Championship. That's their first in school history. Uh, they've always been a very solid team. Never been able to make it that far, uh, so I'm I'm proud of the boys back at home. And just maybe before we go today, we've got a couple minutes. Just a quick yeah. ma- Masters update as we head into the final oh, day. Right, that was my loser. Right, so Dustin he, Johnson. Oh yeah, he missed uh, the cut. Missing the cut. There He's the it is. Third third winner in the last five years to miss the cut at the Masters. Go so, Jordan Spieth. So Hideki Matsuyama yes. is up by four strokes going into the final day today. He's minus eleven. Did, did Justin Rose drop off? Yeah, Justin Rose dropped. He's at minus. He's at. Seven under par. That's tied for second. There's wow. So oh, one, so two, he, three he guys or four, three guys at under at seven under. So somebody just jumped him. Well, he, yeah. So Matsuyama's first at minus at eleven under. Wow. Zalatoris, uh, Leishman, and Rose are all at minus seven. Oh, and, and Xander Shawley. and then Jordan Spieth is he's close to it at five under. So he's six strokes off Jordan the lead. He's Spieth, tied for seventh right now. Jordan Spieth is capable of coming back from this. A couple of years ago, Jordan. he was down nine strokes. Yeah. And he, on the 18th, when he was on the 18th hole in the final round, he was up by one stroke in the end. Yeah. He can come back. He, he, he is, he's a great golfer. He has won one PGA tour event. I think since, four years, since, right? Since he won the masters. Yeah. It was only, it was last week, right? Didn't yeah. He yeah. Just yeah. Last week. He just, he just won. won. Yeah. It was his first major win since he won the masters. Um, so I would love to see him do it. He, he's one. He's one of the most fun guys to watch. I would also love. I, I don't think he's going to, but Bryson DeChambeau, one of my favorite guys to watch golf because he just kind of, you know, gave a middle finger to the world of golfing by beefing up and driving at three hundred and fifty yards. Yeah, but he's way. He's way off. He's he's plus two. For yeah, this tournament. is this is this is not his not his course. It's a much more technical course. So yes, absolutely. And yeah. by the way, just before we go. Unfortunate that Tiger Woods isn't in this tournament. Absolutely. If he was, it would have been far more entertaining and interesting. So definitely we all miss Tiger as we yeah. go through the Masters weekend. It's uh, the, the Masters are surprisingly fun. You know, I never thought I'd be saying that. But I, I'm not going to watch it, but it's fun to follow. Gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> and Jack nice. and I will definitely watch a bunch of it today. Yes, you, you guys and Connor Wood alike. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the, I'm a golfer. The, so the, the only people under the age of 60 that watch golf. But, yeah, <laughs> uh, thank you guys for listening today. Uh, it's been another blast doing another episode with you. This has been Agree to Disagree. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, we're always posting stuff over there. We are live on our Instagram, too. Uh, if you ever can't make the show, if you if you ever can't listen to us on the app, uh, feel free to tune in there. 
But that's all for us this week. We'll be back next week with a pre-recorded episode with Mr. Dean Gutick. Uh, so thanks for listening. See you next time. Keep listening to VIC.